And this is uh, this is something that everyone craves, good friends, right? Everyone craves friendship. Everyone cra craves good friendships, right? We all mourned the day friends left Netflix. I did. I don't know. Your generation. I'm I'm older than you guys. Most of you guys, not Charles. Not uh, But you guys like love the '90s, and you love. Yeah, but how many of you guys watch like every episode of Friends? Yes, right? Here's the deal. This is why Friends is so great. Is it's a literally a TV show about a group of friends being a group of friends, right? Like they throw some drama in there, but it's like they sit at a coffee shop, they run weird, they have weird relationships. They get chickens and ducks. And why did that show, like if I just explained it to you, why did that show become so popular and then 20 years later become so popular again? It's because it, it calls to a thing in all of us that we desire, which is friendship. Because we weren't created to be alone. God didn't create the heavens and the earth and then fill it with single things. He filled it with things that had relationships. Right? You can, you can see it in the creation of Adam and Eve, but you can see that God tells them, go and multiply. Right? Make other people so that you can have relationship, so that you can have friendships. You can see it throughout the whole entire Bible that God actually designed, cares, is interested in relationships. And in so, in friendships. I was going to say, like, this sermon is all about finding your lobster. But it's not actually about, like, that kind of love. It's about, like, friendship love. So it's not, it's not your lobster. But really, I don't, I'm not going to talk about friends the entire time. You're going to be like, we're never inviting him back again. Because all he talks about is TV shows. No, anyways. The true care, the true like focal point of that whole show is Monica, if you think about it. Everyone is in that show because of her. And if you take her out, it's a bunch of people who don't really know each other except for her. Does that make sense to anyone else? Yeah. Even though she's not anyone's favorite character, she's mean. Anyways. She is. Okay, so we can see like in Proverbs, it says, iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another man, right? Like that's friendship, that's relationship. It says in John 15, 13 through 15, that Jesus is our friend. Like that he cared so much for us when he came to earth. He didn't just come to be God on earth. He didn't just come to be our Lord and Savior. He actually came to be our friend. And he found ragtag group of people to hang out with and become, and become friends with. This verse gets used a lot in weddings, but Ecclesiastes 4 talks about how two are better than one. And that's clearly just about having a relationship, having someone right next to you. So I want to challenge you and remind you that Christianity is not a solo act. 
It's not something you're supposed to do on your own. It's not something that you're supposed to just try and go at it alone. And you're not actually allowed, to, not allowed, you're not supposed to let other people do it on their own. But that's not our call as Christians is to watch other people drift away, isolate themselves, be lonely. That's not who we are. We are created for community. But how do we build community with those around us? How do we protect the community we create while being inclusive and not exclusive? So that's what I want to talk about tonight. So here we go. Uh, I did this last time I was here. I liked it, so we're going to do it again. Why don't you all stand as we read God's word? It's Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. It says, therefore, you don't have to read with me, but if you want to, you can. I, I'm not going to make you, but I'll read it. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter this most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full, of, full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he, promised, he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this group of young people, I thank you for these college students who would give time up on a Thursday to meet together, to be friends, to love on you and love on each other. And I pray that you would challenge us, equip us, mold us and shape us into more of your likeness, more into who you've called us to be. In your name we pray, amen. You can sit down. You're welcome. So I, I want to talk about how we, we like to read this and we like to talk about the church, not meeting together somewhere in the habit of doing. Like we've, That's a, brought up a lot about being the church. But I want to use the word church and friendship synonymously because I think that God came to earth to create a people who loved each other. It actually says in the Bible that everyone else will know that we follow God by the way that we love each other. And so I think, and I just talked about this last night at youth group, I think a lot of times we like to separate things in our lives. Right, like last night we talked about dating with middle schoolers and high schoolers. You should have been there. Small groups were fun, especially for Charles and his middle school boys. Because if any group of people loves to talk about dating, it's middle school boys. No, not at all. But the truth is, we like to separate ourselves into these categories. Like, my friendships and my faith, they're not intertangled. I, I can keep my friendships different than my faith. Or my relationships, they're not the same as my faith. But God came to redeem all of us, every single part of us, and wants to be involved in every single part of us, right? So the way that you're a friend, God actually cares about. And how you go about friendship and befriending people 
is so important to him that he says it actually it portrays how much you love him to the world. And that's kind of a heavy, heavy thing. That's why God's grace is always there and it's always good and it's always for you. But I think sometimes we can push aside this idea of God being interested in the things that we do with our relationships with the people around us. How we include, how we disclude, how we love, how we don't love, who we talk to, who we avoid, that kind of thing. So the first thing that I want to point out in this whole verse is that healthy friendships draw us closer to Jesus first. That's not on your friend's part, that's on your part. As a healthy friend, you're drawing closer to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, your relationship with Jesus has to be the most important. To be a good friend, you have to be close to Jesus. To be an honest and true good friend, you need to be in right relationship with the Savior of the world. And you see that in this verse, in Hebrews 10, 19 through 23, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God talking again about Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. The truth is, real friendship comes out of real godliness. And real godliness comes out of being close to Jesus. It's not one way or the other, it's Jesus. If you want to be a good friend, if you want to have healthy friendships, you have to have more of Jesus. I, I'm, a, I'm a people pleaser by nature. I spend a lot of time worried about what other people think and how I can make them happy. And the more and the more and the more that I grow up, the more I realize when I get stuck in those moments, I'm a horrible friend. I'm a horrible husband. I'm a horrible youth pastor. If all that I worry about is what other people are thinking or doing, and I'm not actually considering who I am and what Jesus is for me, I mess things up all the time. And I remember being in, in college. This is like a, a weird time of your life where you had lifelong friends from home, right? And it was like proximity made you really, really close. And then this thing happens where everything changes. You're in new environments, you have new people around you, you have new friendships, and it seems like even though you had these friends, you're, the deepness, the realness of your new friend group it seems like it will be there forever, right? I remember I had a group of guy friends in, in college and we were, like our whole friendship surrounded around our lunch breaks to Costco for Costco 
hot dogs and, and sodas, because it's a buck fifty. It's the best lunch you can have as a college student because it's dirt cheap and it's really like good. It's quick and you can get back to class. But I like remember thinking, and I was 19, like these are the these are the people that I'm gonna be around my whole entire life. And it we're not, I mean we're friends. The deepness is there, but the way that we were friends was really important. There's, a, there's this lie that we like to believe that the relationships that we have, that we build deeply, that if they don't last, then it wasn't worth it. Or if they don't last, then, then it was all for nothing. But honestly, the deep friendships that I built in college, those are the people that even if I don't see them for years, when I see them, we're back at that deep place. We're back at that, that moment of camaraderie, brotherhood, whatever you want to call it. So even though your lives will change after college and you'll move away from LCSC, I know it's sad to think about such a beautiful place. Or, or you're Dave and you're here forever, right? Dave, they'll, they'll just have to name a building after you, that's, that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> but the, the way that you're friends right now is actually really important. The type of friendships that you build right now is really, really important. But it's not as important as the way that you develop your relationship with Jesus. Because People will move away. They'll get married and feel like they're called to Spokane. <laughs> but honestly, honestly, if we wrap up our identity, if we wrap up who we are by the friendships that we have created, you, it, can, it can destroy who you are because it's constantly changing. But the thing that never changes is Jesus. I wish I would have realized that because I would have spent so less time worrying and fretting about how I was making other people feel. Or, and that sounds weird, but like I like seriously obsess about this tiniest micro moments of my life. Did I say that the right way? Did they think I was being a jerk? And most of the time, people don't even care, <laughs> right? But really, if I would just focus that much on my relationship with Jesus, I would be such a better person to all those around me. It would, it would have the effect that I want to have without focusing on having that effect. I hope that makes sense. It says here that we'll have sincerity of heart, free of guilt and shame, filled with hope and faith. That's the kind of person that we all want to be. That's the kind of person that every person wants to have as a friend. That's what we would desire for friendship, is to have someone with sincerity of heart who's free of guilt and shame, which means when you're free of guilt and shame, you don't place guilt and shame on other people. Who's filled with hope and with faith. I don't know about any of you, but if I need hope, I see it in other people. Does that make sense? 
The people who are filled with hope, they're attractive. They're who you're drawn to when you need hope. And the person who brings hope into your life is Jesus. So if you lean into him, it makes you a better friend. The next thing that we see is friendship is meant to draw us towards love and good deeds. Right? Again, I'm using friendship synonymous with the church. The church is supposed to be people who do love and good deeds. Like, that's who we're supposed to be. But as a friend group, as Regenerate, we should be about love and good deeds. And what does that mean? It means when someone's car breaks down in the middle of a rainstorm, you're there to pick them up, take them to class, bring them to Regenerate. Be their ride when they can't pee. It means when you hear about the single mom student who just needs an hour break to do homework, you offer to watch the kid for them. When you hear about the person who, who's not going to make rent because they just can't make ends meet while they're in school full time, you give up a couple bucks to help them. But you also look for opportunities to bring people along with you as you do those things. One of the most transformational relationships I've had with a person was my first youth pastor. So Josh Lester was the youth pastor when I was in middle school. And he is now a missionary in Africa. If that tells you any kind of person who he, you know, like what kind of person he is. But Josh transformed my life because he didn't let me be a middle schooler on the sideline, but he brought me along his life as he did amazing things. And it wasn't like, you know, like amazing things like he would get a phone call from a friend who had gotten addicted to meth and he would be like, hey, we're going to go pray for this guy as he, as he like comes down off his high. And I'm a middle schooler, and my parents entrusted me to this person, and that's what we did. But can I tell you, it completely transformed what I thought it meant to be a Christian. Instead of just about going to church and about saying the right things and even pretending to do the right things, it actually showed me that being a Christian meant you go out of your way to love people. I remember um, another, another time with Josh. This is super bizarre, but like he would be like, to middle school boys, he'd be like, hey, we're going to get up at 6 a.m. and we're going to do this thing called capoeira, which is really ridiculous. If you know anything, it's like dance, fighting, martial arts with flowy movements. It's like, it's not cool. But as a middle schooler, I thought it was so awesome because you could learn how to do backflips. And I never, ever will ever be able to do a backflip. But anyways, so I would get up as a middle school boy at 6 a.m. And that's just, like, that was Josh doing workout. But he brought us all along with it, right? And then Josh took me to school one day. And I remember, like, walking as an awkward middle schooler, like, after your youth pastor drops you off at school. And I'm walking in, and he was like, is that your dad? And I was like, no. Is he your brother? And I was like, no. Who is that? And I was like, my youth pastor. And I like ran away. I don't know, like I was super like, it was, it was weird. But anyways, Josh always had us along 
side him, no matter what he was doing. He had us a part of it. It didn't matter if it was something that would probably not be okay for a middle schooler to be a part of, like a meth addict, or if it was, hey, I'm gonna work out, but I'm not gonna do it alone. I'm gonna have you alongside me. Or if it was, hey, these people need help moving. We're gonna go help them move. Or if it was, hey, I'm gonna go spend my own money buying clothes for the kids at Niche. Come with me so we can buy some clothes. Like, tell me what you would wanna wear so that they can have those clothes. I honestly think about those times so often because it spurred me on to be loving, to do good things. Not because I thought those things were necessary for my faith, but it was just what we did. It was just what Christians did. Yeah. I think a lot of times we, we hesitate to talk about doing good things because we, won't, we really don't want to be works-based. Like, you know, we want to be filled with grace and it's by faith and it's not by works. But honestly, sometimes I think we need to just like be like, no, we can do good things for people. In fact, it should be a mark of who we are that we do good things for people. We give up things. We go out of our way. Jesus said this as he was telling a parable. He talks about a man who's asked to go one mile, and then he goes two. God is always about going the next above beyond step. But please, hear me out. Don't do this alone. This isn't just a like call to go be really awesome people by yourselves. But this is to bring people along and transform the world around you by being people who live with people doing good and love. The next thing is friendship draws us closer together. Healthy friendships draw us closer together. It says, not, meet, uh, not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. All of us, not just the leaders of Regenerate, all of us should be aware when people start not showing up. When it's weeks while we don't see them, or hear from them, or hang out with them. See them at church, see them at wherever. Sin always does the same thing. It always hides and it always isolates. And if we allow ourselves <coughs> to watch people do that, the, the honest truth is that we won't have as healthy relationships as we could. The kingdom of God is not full of lonely people. It isn't. But sometimes we allow it to happen. So healthy friendships means that when you see those people straying off to the side, you go after them. You don't allow people to become lonely or isolated. 
even if it means you have to have really difficult conversations, even if it means you have to confront them about things that are going on in their lives, even if it has to be some owning up to the reason why you feel distant from them. Very real life, just in the last couple of weeks, I have some really close friends that my wife and I had to sit down with and just ask for forgiveness because we had allowed being busy parents. And, and believe me, we had excuses, like we're really busy, but we allowed that busyness to watch friends drift away. And, and then go through some really, really hard stuff and not have people right next to them. And it's, it's super humbling to know, like, you should have been there for people and you weren't. And, and over and over and over again, you can see where Jesus desires for his kingdom to be one of connectedness, closeness, relationship. And so sometimes you just have to say, hey, I, I screwed up and I let you drift away. Will you forgive me? Hey, I should have been there for you and I wasn't. Hey, months ago, I should have told you, I think you're making a mistake and I didn't. And now there's this like weird thing between us where you know what you're doing I don't agree with and we don't talk anymore and we don't hang out anymore because of that thing. And I shouldn't have let that happen. A true friend thinks about the other person before they think about themselves. And again, just think about it. If we as the church were those kind of people, where people actually thought that coming to regenerate means they were going to be connected with people who would love them, never let them be lonely, spur them on to love and good deeds because they were filled with Jesus who had transformed their lives. And I am super, super proud of you guys because I think you guys are those people. Anaya, you go out of your way. I mean, I can't believe that you're a nursing student who is doing clinicals and how much you give up for these people know that you are blessed because you are a blessing. But it can't just be a Naya, and I'm not saying it is, but it can't just be a Naya, right? There has to be a group of people who are willing to go through this whole campus, search out for those people who need a friend. And, and committing to be a friend is you're committing to those things. You're committing to love Jesus deeply. You're committing to spur them on to love and good deeds. And you're committing to not let them be lonely. Being there for them. It's a big call. But you know what? Jesus is very interested in it. 
So I know his grace is sufficient. I know he will meet you right where you need him. But if we put things backwards, if we put the cart in front of the horse and we try to find our identity in our friendships, you will never, ever, ever feel like a good friend. You'll never be satisfied. You gotta find who you are in Jesus and allow that to lead you to the people around you. So let's read it one more time. Oh, there we go. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter this most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would draw us near you. God, that we would understand that true friendship springs forth from a deep, unswerving, relentless relationship with our God. That true friendship is built upon a rock that is you, Christ. And then we're, when we're fully engaged with you, Jesus, the boundaries that we set, the things that we commit to, the way that we love the people around us, it's actually all better. Not because we're better, but because you're the best. God. So I pray we would get our priorities right. That we would focus on the, the thing that needs our focus. But God, I pray that this campus would be shaken and awakened to a group of people who are the best of friends. Because of their love for you, God, you would cause these young people to be people that spur one another on to love and good deeds. Who don't allow friends to isolate, to become lonely. That understand what a sacrifice of friendship is and step into it knowing and willing to do those things. Challenge us, Jesus, in the way that we are friends. And that we would be godly friends who bring those alongside us deeper into relationship with you. Amen. So my question is, what way do you want to grow as a friend or without like having to say names who is one person that you want to start chasing after so you have to be kind of ambiguous You're like you know that one kid that i once hung out with it's okay but like who are you going to chase after but what is one way that you want to grow in your friendships <laughs>